Ashton here with Love Life and Disability. Hi and welcome back to another episode of Love Life and Disability with me, Kay Ashton. Today I am joined by Chris. Now Chris is a social care worker. He has done some archiving for documentaries and he is aiming to be a researcher. I love the name Chris and my brother's called Chris so he He's got to be a great guy, and I know he is ace um, through our conversations thus far. Currently based in Glasgow and originally from Manchester. Here he is. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. Just surviving lockdown, I guess. Like, um, I've just come off quite long because, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I, I'm very much like in the kind of entry level area of TV right now. I'm looking for new roles, but um, the, what I'm doing to kind of keep afloat, to kind of keep me like, pay the bills like social care long hours i've had quite a long week really so just coming off that i've got the weekend off which is quite nice so um just chilling out getting ready for next week i've had um, a social media break today which has been quite nice as well <laughs> you got to do it social for yourself are good i yeah. guess one thing that's good about working in the social care is uh, as, as we know with me working in the media they can be very, very long days, especially if we are being like a researcher or a runner on set. I guess social care is really setting you up, ready for them for those long days and um, communication as well. Like it, it wasn't on purpose, but because the, the when I signed up the social care, what actually drew me to it was stuff I'd done previously with like because I've told you like done the stuff with the asylum seekers. I, I had my own charity where I was taking people to events, and originally when I signed up for the social care, it was more to work with homeless people. Because there was um, group, there's a group work aspect where you'd be doing activities and putting them on. I, I, that's what I really loved from the stuff I'd done with the asylum seekers in my own volunteering service. Um, but and but unfortunately, that didn't happen. I'm, I, I now actually work with more in assisted living with people with disabilities, and um, I, 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 it's it, unfortunately it's, there's less activity based stuff. But now, but I did, I, I, I wanted to get in TV, but I hadn't actually gone learn about the different rungs of the ladders and how to kind of like uh, apply, work my CV to it. But as I've been doing more stuff with the, with dis- in disability, especially with different individuals, because each individual has a different need, you know? And like, um, and even if it's simple stuff like money keeping, like I'm constantly like re- keeping bills and receipts and stuff like that. And so no, I think it's a really good, if it, I, when I see the people on like Facebook pages ask for like relevant j- jobs, I always put out social care. Cause I, I know that people are, some people can have quite difficult experiences with it but if you can get a good team and you you kind of find your own routine as well I think and make it work for you I think it can be quite a a good thing to have on the side especially if you are wanting to be a freelancer because you can do it as a relief worker so I'm currently on a contract which means I do have these long hours um, but I could do it more as a relief worker where say if I was doing work for tv I could pick up hours elsewhere as well so it's something it's not like once i'm in tv i i I need to completely like cut myself off from that as well so so if if anyone is thinking of other jobs whilst because it is quite difficult right now you know so you could do agency work um with the relief stuff but what you're learning there is definitely transferable especially within the project coordination world like as you were saying with the keeping of the receipts even down to when you're organizing activities like organizing events or you're sorting things out it's there's a lot of transferable skills that one could be picking up um, to move over into some of the tv tv world no i i'm I'm quite lucky it's because i've done other jobs like working in supermarkets working in bars and i i enjoyed it but like 
in terms of like, and you do get customer service experience from that, obviously, because you're dealing with customers. But and I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that people are working with our customers because it's not quite as similar as that, but you, you have a more intimate kind of connection with those people and you're doing similar sort of things to kind of meet their needs. And so I think, and I, I quite like that kind of more in-depth working with people rather than having people constantly come and go. And you, you get, you have some people who are familiar, but actually having like proper connections from it. So I quite enjoy as well. And working in the assisted living with um, those with disabilities, how do you find that? Because you have a disability yourself. The thing with working in assisted living, uh, especially because I, I work with free people, I'm, the disabilities that they have are autism and cerebral palsy and, and some kind of and dietary issues as well. So two of them are wheelchair bound. One of them is, is actually quite independent and uh, he doesn't get as many hours as the, because the ones who are wheelchair bound get 24 hour care. Um, and so, I, their disabilities are quite different to, to mine that they, well, one of them, the one, the man with aut gentleman with autism is, is technically, his is an invisible disability because you, you look at him and you wouldn't know that it's, it's autism that he has, which is similar to me. And I can, I can appreciate that. Um, whereas the other two people who live together, they um, obviously they're wheelchair bound and it's much more on the surface. So. Yeah. I think I, I do, if I was to relate to, to them in terms of my disability, I'd, I'd probably relate to the gentleman without autism more, but of course, each disability has its own kind of challenges. And I, I'm always aware, I, I, I don't want to kind of like completely step into that other person's shoes because you, you never know the other stuff that, that goes on. But like, um, I've gotten some really good experiences out of working with um, with um, the autistic when he when he's interacting with other people that's where I can kind of see the similarities between myself and him because although his family have um have grown up with him and know him very well they still especially with someone with autism I think you need to give them a, a when if you want them to talk with you you want you need to give them a and you need to give them space to do it you need to give them focus where his family would all talk over each other all at once. They're a very kind of like conversational kind of family. And um, I, seeing how um, would kind of like do that, I, I think myself, when I, when I make mess up with my, my disability, I know it's kind of holding me back. You can kind of see it and he just goes quiet to himself. And, that, and when they did finally talk to him, it's because I was able to talk to his brother and basically say to him, whilst there, just basically these are things he likes to talk about. If you talk about these, he'll talk back at you. And they talk about um, uh, EastEnders and people who died. And suddenly he's talking, but he's, he's, he's like having full conversation with them and having a back and forth. And it's like, you could see it on his brother's face, like mind blown. So it, in some respects, that is something I, I'd probably say I relate to. And hopefully in that in, instance, I was able to help using that relation to help it. And then, but that, that's why I love it. I, I, I love seeing that progression of, how he since I've known him and how far he's come and the, the other two I wouldn't say that I don't relate with them because that's not completely true I think you, it's hard not to completely relate with them you can always find something to relate to yeah but um because their disability is so much different to what I go through I don't think I could completely say what I've experienced fully transfers over to them really but um I do what I can to kind of keep them occupied like for he loves music so I, I can want and he's got really short oh, so this is actually something I can uh, to, can uh, um, relate to is I, I think I do have ADD as well 
Yeah. I've got a really short attention span. I, I have to really focus, especially when someone's talking to me and telling me something and giving me instructions. Um, and um, he loves music, but I'd give him a keyboard and he'd just go one, two, three, four, up and down. And he wouldn't actually, like, I'd show him a melody he, and he, he really struggled to learn it. But, and also then he'd just get bored and he'd move on. And he, you could only, he could only do it on his own for maybe like five minutes until it's kind of like too much. But what I did bring to work, and is it, it's a bit, bit of a tell, but I, I don't know, I, I'm working on like a, a soundtrack at the moment. It's like a synth soundtrack for a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. And so I brought in my synth, partially to work on the soundtrack, but partially because I had a feeling that it might be something he could engage with. Yeah. Because on his own, he can just click, click one button, he's got a completely new sound he can play with. And he was actually picking up really quickly because he saw when I turned the knobs and it changed the sound, he was just doing it on, on his own, which for him was, was really good to, good to see. But when I'm actually sat there doing it with him as well, he can be on that same sound. I'm twisting knobs, changing it, and he's engaging with it. And he, I, he could be on it for, on his own for like 15 minutes. So I know what, how hard it can be to sit down and read a book, for instance. You've got to find ways to, to and I, you've got to find ways to kind of like keep your focus. And I, 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 I think the, the variety always helps, you know? And with, I am living with autism, and yeah. you spoke about um, your own with hidden disability. So you live with dyslexia, and you touched upon there about the um, ADD. Is there hidden disabilities as well? Is how do yeah. you find living with a hidden disability? Because a lot of people would say, "Oh, well, you don't look disabled," and it's, well, what does disability look like? Obviously, we've got our national sign for disability which is a wheelchair yeah. and i think that needs updating because yeah. actually not everyone's in a wheelchair that is disabled no. so it's not really doing us any justice especially when um people like myself and you um do live with a hidden disability it mm. can be quite difficult see i so i i um i what when it's really become apparent to me with my having dyslexia and add was when I left university because there was a support base there. I was able to get extra time if I was having issues with some, with something, or they, they they were able to get me new technology and like um and also I, I was shown to like double line space which will help with that. And I don't know. I always felt like there was a, a comfort like a sort of safety neck I could fall back on. As soon as I left university, that was gone. And whereas even this job, like I, two of the most important things, the money. And medication, and I, my, I guess there's another thing I have in common with Bob Wan, is a people with autism come into all different kind of like degrees. There's no one that's really the same, but having a sense of routine is really important to um to Bob Wan especially. And I, I can actually, I, I can relate to that quite a lot because of my difficulty with attention. I like to know, in and I, I like to plan ahead a little bit and know this is what I'm gonna do when I'm on shift. And that, that's one of the more chaotic things about social care, something completely random can come, by, come in and, and it's kind of like I'm pushed something to back out of my mind. And I, I, I might um, be, I, I need to be careful with the money to make sure that it's all counted or I've picked up a receipt for instance. And um, if something kind of like knocks me and then, then it, and whenever you make a mistake and you can't necessarily always explain to yourself as well, you have to go back and take those steps and see what went wrong, yeah. especially because, yeah, especially with a hidden disability when it's something like concentration, like um, 
to my manager, she's like, you just need to think a little bit harder. I'm like, <laughs> like you, you know, like you just need to con you just need to like um grease up those uh, memory like cogs of yours. And you, you can do all you can to like um have this set routine that helps you remember it, but that is your coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And um that that is something I, I I that's one example of how I, I struggle when going out of university. The other the main thing in relation to TV is actually driving. And I had an instructor who could not see, I, I, I told him that I had, it. I definitely had dyslexia. I'm, I'm pretty certain I have ADD. And I think it's the ADD I struggle with when driving because my concentration. Yeah. And I, I've had lessons for well over a year and I've, I've, I've failed my test five times. And I, I had- I won't ask what happened. <laughs> you yeah. did tell me. <laughs> Well, that was only once. The other, actually, I actually failed six times. The 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 bad one was the very first one when I was much younger, you know. And then that put me off wanting to drive for quite a long time. Then I failed five more times. It's actually quite close calls, most of them. Okay. Close to getting my driver's license, which is what makes it so painful. I can't get there, you know. But like um, when I came to Glasgow and I got a new instructor, it. I knew and I wasn't quite aware one I, I tried to do an intensive course which isn't good if if you've got a disability I thought maybe because it's a new way of learning it might work better for me but it doesn't They're like and two those that new, where it's like well, five days yes yeah yes like um and and you do it for like three hours as well with a few breaks so it, it's not the best situation and and the other thing is a new element was added when I was learning in Sheffield for whatever reason, the roads there, as, as a learner, you're always required to just be, be in the left-hand lane. And I admit that's probably not the best way to teach someone to drive because you need to be able to adapt. But that's where learning to drive on the motorway would come in and th those following lessons that you'd have. Um, but in Glasgow, you're immediately like switching lanes. It's a whole new thing that I had to think about. And once again, on paper, oh, shifting lanes isn't that difficult. But for someone who di has difficulty one, picking up new things because of dyslexia and taking instruction, and two, concentrating what else is happening on the road. Switching lanes is a massive thing. <laughs> and the, the, the instructor did not understand this. And his way of trying to deal with it was basically to beat it out of me. And he would put his hand in his face. He'd swear at me. He, uh, and it was horrible. It's a horrible experience. I've not been able to get behind the, the driver's wheel since. And that's all because he, he, I could tell him I've got this disability and he could see that I was struggling. But without being, I don't know, have it, having like uh, the actual, like uh, my arm in a, in a, in a like, um, sling or something, it, it, it's hard for him to kind of like really understand and maybe see how some of his other students have seen it and maybe connect those dots and maybe think about how he could help me as a student. I, 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 now I need to, I, I'm thinking I'll, I'll try and do automatic, but I said this to you when we last talked about it, that even if I do pass my test, in the back of my mind, because I've struggled with it so hard, and I know because of my difficulty with concentration, I'm not sure if I'd want to be driving people around or driving yeah. things for, as a runner. Because imagine that in, in such an informal industry where it's about making connections. <laughs> I don't want to be the guy who crashed the car. <laughs> I don't want to be the, the, the guy, that guy who don't get in his car He's, he's he's a maniac like uh, I, I don't want breaker, though. I, exactly well I, I, you'd hope so you'd hope so yeah that is one thing though that I am in hope can change and I know some places were looking at trying to remove it from job specs within the media and um, mm. because it can stop 
people that don't have licenses due to disabilities let's say um maybe if you're visually impaired you can't drive a car but yeah. you could still be a runner you could there's nothing to stop you maybe doing certain things on set or doing running responsibilities mm. you just can't drive or you know even some researchers might be expected to drive or even production coordinators yeah. and you know these are the sort of roles that you know why not just one person out of the whole crew or maybe two drives or if you are disabled it's well okay i can use my assistive um carer's money so um like access to work um i can use lap grant and get a facilitator to drive instead it's why you know it it yeah i just don't i just don't agree with it being in job specs it's not like you, you know you're applying to be a dot-com driver at tesco I and mean, your job is a driver you're applying yeah. to be a runner it's just that driving has a tiny tiny incy wincy beanie tiny element of that role yeah. like um uh, but also the, 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 i think the driving piece is going to be the thing that kind of like hangs over me because i i think i've never asked and once again i spoke about this like you get used to failure when you have a disability you're used to messing up but you, I, I think it also drives you a bit more determined with some things you'll keep coming at it um, and I, I hate it that I can't pass it. I want to pass it because I put so, so much time and energy. You, you don't want to be that. This is the thing about being disabled, having a disability is that it, it, it's the accessibility. You, you can do it. You just need the means to, to get there. Like um, I remember I watched. Um, oh, you might have seen it that that Netflix show Rising Phoenix. I've heard about. It. I've watched some of it. My colleague Peter was telling me about it at work. That's with there's the an, um, Olympic Paralympic athletes, isn't it? Yeah, because there's an incredible um, like story of, of the guy who who's the archer and he uses his feet to do the archery, but because he, he doesn't, I don't think he has any arms. I, I need to watch it again, but I think he, he he's not he's missing his arms because like I think he's born that way, and so he had and I think he was picked up. He was an orphan as well, so he was picked up by a family who saw him with his disability. And I'm not sure it would work in every case to tell someone with disability that yeah. you can always do it. You just got to like put your mind to it. But he he uses his feet for everything. He even uses his feet to drive somehow. Wow. So, <laughs> like, so I, I think that determination from having a sort of stopper also is something that that like um, and that that kind of motivates a lot of people with disabilities that, that might also go unseen that people don't kind of take into account is that when you actually have whether it's me with my spelling, my grammar, and me messing up so many times, I have to kind of come back to it again. You, you also are someone who will kind of work hard to actually see something through, and I think that's also quite an important quality. Like um, that, I imagine shared across the disability industry, or people looking for the this kind of work. The the main thing my dad gets wrong with is my dad, he's not had a dyslexic test but I'm 100% confident he's dyslexic because he'll always ask how do I spell this how do I spell that mm -hmm. and if you ask him to turn left he'll turn right and it's kind of like no we said left I have turned I have turned left no dad you've turned right oh, okay yeah. I'll have to go back round then and yeah I'm generally certain that he's dyslexic but I'm pretty confident it took my mum a few times to pass and one of my brother's friends um, it took him I think eight times to pass now he doesn't have a disability it's just a bad driver and it took him time and that's the thing it can just take time some people would say just driving is not yeah. for them in the in the 
ever so slightest they have no intention they don't want to overdrive and it's not for them mm-hmm. and some yeah. people it can just take take practice it's i've been trying to learn the keyboard and guitar for many years and i still can't do it um due to hand hand coordination it's, mm. so it's you know but i'm, I'm not going to give up i hopefully will be able to do it so i am confident at some point yeah i've learned when i did my test so i failed first time because i nearly crashed my car um that's all got dangerous because i yeah. i the annoying bit though chris is i got too close he said to another car and i went but did i hit it and he said no but you got too close to a parked car if a child had come out or he'd opened his car door it would have hit your car and i'm like but did they and he went no and i'm like but if there's another car on coming to me Mm. he's like you should have stopped and let that car come past me say like in that direction towards me i should have stopped let that car go I'm like, no there's parked cars on both sides he's like well one of you's had to stop and you should have stopped i was stubborn i'm like no i do not i i disagree i disagree um but what i did notice is when i did it on the roads which were very wide as you were saying where you were doing it in in scotland mm. and you were you know, you're having to weave in and out of these roads. I'd chosen sail to do mine in Manchester for the first time. So that I think I started learning sail at one point as well. Well, that's where the bigger bosses are. So I got told to do it at Wally Range because the roads are bigger and they'll yeah. also put you on the faster roads, like round near the parkway and stuff. Mm-hmm. So then your roads are bigger, you're driving more at speed and also to go on a Saturday or to pick your time. So if you're driving continuously and you're perfectly okay. But if your test is for 40 minutes and, and you're in traffic for 30, you're in traffic for 30 minutes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's funny about like the, when, when to pick your, your test time because like um, on paper, like you want to have like clear roads and it's all going to be perfect, but you can never quite um, anticipate what's going to come out in front of you, can you? No. Like, um, it's a shame because like I, what it, learning in Sheffield was lovely. Like we, there was like lovely country roads and like, um, but now, now I've got to learn complete new roads and there. That'll make you a stronger driver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, already there's a whole new thing that I've got to learn from being here anyway. And so like, um, and yeah, it, it doesn't hurt. Um, I, I, you know, what? I, I, even just talking about it, I'm thinking, you know what, I should just look out for the automatic stuff because i think i want i want to try that and see how that goes but um yeah i i'll, I'll look into this because te- if i can get my if i can pass my test again the other problem now is that the tests are like backed up so far because of lockdown um hopefully that and once lockdown's lifted you're going to have lots of people all wanting their tests as yeah. well so um but yeah i i i'll get on it i i i'm pretty determined i i don't i like i like i said i, I don't like leaving kind of unfinished business I I want to, and and maybe I, I can work my confidence, and that might be something I can do. And I know there's other people in the disability community who can't even have that opportunity, and uh, having something denied to you is j- j- even more frustrating. I, <laughs> I could imagine, but um, yeah, it's it's we'll, we'll, yeah. Hopefully, it, that that the criteria of always driving won't be dogging every. Uh, um, position available we definitely do need to keep keep working away at that and for our listeners and viewers that are tuning into this um you touched upon that you used to live in sheffield and that's because you went to sheffield uni and where you did history and philosophy 
and if I recall correctly, you absolutely adore American history and the culture around America history. Yeah. What is it in particular yeah, I about love American history? Um, well, for one thing, it's so so more, it's so new. Like uh, it's amazing how how uh, there's there's definitely younger country like like Israel, for instance. But I don't know, like uh, we how fast the the rise of America. There, there's so much interesting history. I, I think my my it started with a love of the history years ago, but I've actually been more invested in like current affairs in recent years. I, I it's kind of like a sort of brotherly sport that me and my brother never watched football growing up and uh, both being from Manchester you know how much of like um, a sacrilege because uh, everyone watches it it's it's, it's Man U and, and so this is our sport it's like politics is theatre it's not just because I like to watch the world burn I actually see hope I I, I saw hope there I can I you see those movements that react to Trump and it's, it's nice I, I being part of history. I, I would have loved to have been there for the election. I would have loved to have felt that atmosphere. I think that's one thing that carries over from being a history student. I, when things are actually happening and actually seeing it with your own eyes and recognizing the moment you're in, we're, we're living in very turbulent times. There's lots of opportunities to do that. A lot of them have been coming from the West where it's America or even here, you know? And that's not to discount all this other stuff. I, the, I, I, want, I went into doing history at Sheffield because I actually wanted to study Middle Eastern history. And when I got to my final year, the, the, the researcher who led that course was, was off doing a research thing. So unfortunately, I couldn't do Middle Eastern history. Uh, I, I, in, instead, which actually seemed to be strangely fitting for our times, I did um, British fascism. Okay. <laughs> so like, um, read into that what you will, I guess. But I, but like, um, I, I think fascism in general, having studied that, not just because of Britain, but like you're seeing lots of authoritarian kind of regimes that have kind of taken over and you're seeing the march on Washington, which is insane. <laughs> like, uh, no, so, the, I, I, so for me, it, it's part of theater, it's part morbid curiosity. And it's also hope because I think you need this wake up call sometimes in, in a democracy. And I think that's what it's been for America. You, with the midterms in 2018, lots of people turned up and you had the 2020 elections where lots of people turned up. And I just hope that those people who felt that the apathy that is rife in, in like liberal politics, because you, you, you see the change happen there and then. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, because the systems we have, love them or loathe them, <laughs> the change takes a long time. And that breed people who, who, especially the people who need that change most, you know? but you've seen how movements can actually shape, especially in America, they can, the pressure that um, activists and organizers put on their senators or congresswomen shift votes. Like um, the biggest blow, uh, stop me when you want me to stop talking about no, regular politics because I could just carry out all day. Like the biggest blow to Donald Trump's presidency by far was um, given to him by a Republican, John McCain. And that that came because John, John McCain, because Donald Trump wanted to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, which is like a, it was one of it was basically Barack Obama's crowning achievement. It's not perfect legislation, but it's like the groundwork. This is how these things happen. It's the groundwork. Social Security, and this comes back to my history. Social Security started off as like a skeleton of what it is today. You have to set the groundwork. You have to make the legislation. You build on it. And um, Donald Trump wanted to just completely scrap it. And he lost it for one vote from John McCain. 
And that's because that's in part because of the amount of pressure that campaigners put on their congressmen, phoning them and just basically going showing how important that um I think I can't I don't want to say the statistic, but millions of people gain support, especially pre-existing conditions and disabilities. And so it's I I think you have to have that shock. And to keep I I think people immediately like, why do you want to look at the politics? Like it's still all depressing, like despots getting into America. Why, why, why is that why is that fun? Or why 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 do you why, why are you so like strangely curious about it? But you gotta take the the successes where you can get them, especially when you're living through a pandemic. Now we're living through a pandemic. <laughs> Obviously we can't go away at the moment, but you do want to go to America at some point. What yeah. part would you say more than anything? Would it be Washington for all the political side of it? I would actually love to go to Georgia, then a new blue state, part part of the resistance. <laughs> Good old blue Georgia. I'd love to see Atlanta. A lot of like the the musicians that I love, like um, Run the Jewels and like um, rappers are from Atlanta. I think there's a really and then you've got Donald Glover. We, we recently, I'm saying Atlanta, we recently watched the TV show again. And I was like, I'd love to go to Atlanta, but I'd love to get a haircut um, at my Killer Mike's barbershop. <laughs> stuff like that, just like ra- random stuff. But like, and, this, and once again, lots of history in in, um, in Georgia. Like, um, and one another amazing thing to see, another thing to give you hope is that one of the senators from Georgia was a reverend um, who was from Martin Luther King's church. And it's like that full circle of the, the division that led to Donald Trump. And finally, one of the, the senators who took that control away from him and his party. Like there, there's, there's poetry there. And it, it's nice to kind of like um, watch it as it happens. I was, it's funny, if you look at my Facebook page on January 6th, I start the day by saying, this is a wonderful day for America. This is, uh, look at these senators, look at look at um, Warnock and uh, his history. And then a few hours later, they completely <laughs> undercut that with the, the March on Washington. But he was ever scouring from my Facebook in the future. Like I just see like, why is he, why does he love the, 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 people who like um broke into the capital on the 6th of january like <laughs> but yeah it's too soon. i know i know i, I, I knew that, that there shows be how things can change so quickly you know within politics and w- within the world you know something can start out being a fantastic day and something can be going so well and then within yeah. within minutes you know something can change so quickly like um, but you you've also had your time in America as well. You 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 got. A, do you actually want to live there at some point in the future? Is, is I that... would love to. I, again, it's for me. It's the health. Had yeah. I, if I, wasn't disabled, and I wasn't on a crap load of medication, yeah. I probably would have moved to America many years ago, because that is ultimately the dream is to have lived in America. When I was about 18, I was looking at villas. Um, so I always wanted a house and I was like, I just think I could buy myself a villa, a nice five bed villa. And that was back when the dollar was like two, $2 to the one pound. Mm. And it was like, it would have been, no joke, about 80,000 pound in UK money for me to have a five bed villa furnished with a pool. And <laughs> I ain't getting anywhere near that over here. Like, I think my house is probably about three times the price of that, and it's just 
free bed with no pool in in rainy salt. It's funny because pool is like a is like a symbol in America, isn't it? It's like you made it. You got you got yourself a pool. Even Walter White in Breaking Bad has a pool. <laughs> like, he's, he's, he has to sell crystal meth to to make a living. <laughs> like, uh, I just love America. I think the people um, in in most part. And I know you could say the same about UKs. Uh, every, I think a lot of people are generally nice. But a mm. lot of nice people I've always met have always been in America or, again, had that American connection. For yeah. in the UK, I'd, I'd say the majority of the nice ones I've met have always been Welsh. I've never <laughs> really met a bad Welshman. Like, And again, I think it's the accent thing as well. I love the Welsh accent and I love the American accent. So, yeah. And it's always hot. And I'd never have to go on holiday because in America... A lot of people don't even have passports because they can just go Every all the way around America. Country. Every state is like a different country. Like, it is. Um, there's so much to explore over there. I, I wish they did travel a little bit more. If if, if I was <laughs> if I was gonna like uh, give, if I was in a position to give them advice, but like yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of Americans that do definitely. Like, um, but yeah, I, I don't blame the ones who don't because there, there's so much to see over there, and even their own state, they, they should get very like. Um, I love how each state has its own sort of symbol. So going back to Georgia, it's the peach state. I like, uh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a country that I've just not explored as much because I, I have done traveling, but um, yeah, I think that although it's not like, a con I think what put me off studying there, because I studied in Australia um, at uni, but I, I would have liked, I was thinking of going to America, but two things put me off. One was the, the expense of the healthcare because you yeah. had to get the insurance and the other was that I, I wasn't 21 yet <laughs> I would all be like this to like have a pint. <laughs> exactly exactly uh, now I can go and fully but that said the other reason to get my driver's license is to drive around America if I can I would have loved to have done something like that last year that would have been so scary for me so I've been over as an adult on my own or like mm -hmm. with ex-partners and even my parents won't trust me to drive out there. They're like, you're not driving out there. But the yeah. rules are so different. And every state have their own rules. Like in Florida, you can turn right on a red light. Like, what the hell? Mm. Yeah. And that's it's obviously good. provided nothing's coming. But they allow you to turn right on a red. And apparently it's to keep the road movement going. Like this is Florida we're talking about there. Yeah. Like, uh, the, the home of Florida man. <laughs> if you're familiar with Florida man online, it's... <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's basically a meme sort of thing where like weird crimes happen in Florida. It's, it's partly because of the way that they report their news. It's because um, Florida, I, I, I can't remember the, the, the reason, but every time there's like some weird thing that happened in Florida, it gets picked up on the main news, news cycle and they, they always call it Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, no, there's, there's so much, so much there. Um, but yeah, and going back to the March on Washington, it, it, it kind of came at a time, it, it, Funnily enough, I, I've wanted to be get, I've been wanting to get back into history as well. And it's one of the it's one of the things I actually love about television, the possibilities of te television, is that I've got a lot of interests that I want to get that I would love to be involved in, and I, I've got a back background in some of those areas, like the history. And so I, I during lockdown, I was looking for ways to kind of like um, whether those projects I could be part of. But now, now I've just kind of settled into like reading up on my um, some of the books that I've I, or reading up on particular particular figures or periods. Like a, I've just come out of a Roman phase, and 
for it's all there's, there's it's almost like a cliche for the history student or the history buff to every time there's some sort of weird thing happening in the world or like hey, we're on a, on a precipice everyone looks at roman history like what went wrong like uh, can i connect the dots is it happening again like because uh, of course they went from being like a democracy to an empire and losing their losing their liberty to some extent that that's massively streamlining it because it's not like the democracy we know today but like um it's 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 a really interesting period of history and I've, I've been listening to it i was listening to it on audiobook and like it's called rubicon i can't okay. remember the name and i'd recommend it i know i've now got my brother on that fad he he's he's reading up on his own roman history but um more recently I, i've taken an even stronger turn in the history italy's history i'm i'm, I'm looking up um the i'm, I'm reading a biography of mussolini okay. because mussolini. every time that yeah, every time the focus on fascism, it always kind of like draws on Hitler. Whereas fascism in that period began with Mussolini. I know next to nothing about him, you know? Okay. And so yeah, my, my morbid curiosity that's been sparked by the, the, the March on Washington's continues. Like, uh, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll update you like a year's time where, it, where it's led me. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've done some work with um, Fuse as well, and you've done um, so like prison interviews. Yes. So um, unfortunately, the, what? So basically, I began with so my main credits, and and um, yeah, I, I, it's a shame because I might have been able to get some runner experience with them like, late last year as well. Because they, I remember Darren, who's the producer, he rang me when I was on shift one time. I was like, oh, "Do you have a car? Could could you could you get us this this equipment from the other side of Glasgow?" I was like. I don't have a car, but I might be able to get a taxi, but I'm at work, you know, like, but um, I, I began my work with them when um, I was transcribing for them um, and doing the, and, and like, um, seeing the, the rush footage and um, I absolutely loved it because it kind of drew all my other experiences together, like my interest in America, my interest in like um, humanitarian rights and, and human rights because of working with like asylum seekers and then creative element of it as well it's like the is it, it was like a spark for me i never continue i never thought of tv as a career before actually working with fuse because i want it comes back to like the, the thought like the, there are so many possibilities of where you could take it you know mm-hmm. um and so and seeing these these this footage i'd be I, i'm sure it's slowed down they're, they've got deeper voices and they're just like talking slurs like, um, but you, some of the stuff that they're talking about and the people they're interviewing, I, I remember one particular guy who stuck out was called Race Booyan. I'm gonna butcher his name, but I think it's Race Booyan. And he um, he was like a victim of hate crime. And I just remember, and I, I saw the full footage of that. Eventually only like 10 minutes of that would get into the final, maybe not even that, just go into the final um, product. But like I, I saw the full interview and I just remember seeing him right at the end of the interview, he's talking about all his troubles and he called it his American nightmare because he was, not only did he have like the, the, the attack on him by, it was right after 9-11, someone came into the store where he's working, shot him point blank range with a shotgun and, and he had to have facial reconstruction and he had to do that in America with their medical system. And so it was like a one drawn out thing. But the amazing thing about race is that then he went on to work for the man who, the man who did that to him and killed other people was on death row. And so he would work to try and get, get um, Mark Stroman out of, out of prison. And um, so, and right at the end of the interview, after all this 
terrible stuff that's coming in. His family coming in as like a ray of light. It's like he's finally made it out. It's like how American Nightmare. It's these beautiful sort of like things, and you kind of like more part of this, like how the production's happening. So yeah, that that was that was what drew me in. And then around Christmas, Darren just sent me an email like, "You seem like a guy who like to." I think he called me like, "You seem like a guy who'd be like a TV guy, like this stuff." TV guy <laughs> sounds interesting and it's like how about how do you fancy um reaching out to some prisons for me me and me and dear I was like yeah I'll do that because of course I just I was I'd just come off my um I graduated in January but I handed my dissertation for law because I also studied law as master's um in yeah. August and so in them that's getting their mind when they're asking because it's not like it's completely out of nowhere and I think there's also the element I think because they've got more of a presence now and people know who they are having someone like me contacting them um takes some of the heat off i had to tell them who it was for but like just talking to them on the phone it, rather than talking to the deer straight up like um, might make it easier to get that access um and so yeah it was four prisons um i can't remember what states it was in i think it was three states and um it was for stroman's son was one of them i think it was robert stroman um, that was a man who shot race. Um, then it was it was for two films because they're working on the Muslims in America film, and they were also working on um, abor- abortion rights in America as well, okay. and how they're being affected by by Trump and his policies. And um, they so two were people. One was Robert Stroman, who was the son of Mark Stroman. The other one was another man who actually tried to bomb uh, housing full of Syrian ref. No. It wasn't. It was refugees. It wasn't Syrian refugees. Um, and the other ones, the other two were people who were like abortion terrorists. So one sent like thousands of letters to abortion rights activists, and then um, saying around two thousand, saying that it's full of anthrax. And I, I, I was so close to getting that interview. I, well, I basically we got the the warden to ask him for the permission. And because this guy had also escaped prison, I, the the thing about him, he's one of the easier ones because he's just kind of like gone to. No one really knew who he was. Like okay. um, the other guy who um, I had to organize it with, who was who assassinated someone in two thousand nine. Um, he he, when I was organizing those prison interviews, it's like a year after his anniversary of doing that, and he he still is like completely in believes that what he did was right, and he, he sneaks out. YouTube videos of interviews of him. So he's in the warden's bad books anyway. So trying to get access to him was always going to be an absolute struggle. Yeah. But this other gentleman who had sent out all these um notes to people, I got access. I I I they basically got to the point where I asked him, and what, although um someone that D was talking to at the time was like, yeah, he definitely did the interview. They get to ask him through all this process, like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not doing the interview. <laughs> um and then we got access to Robert Stroman, but unfortunately, a lot of this did fall through because and didn't make it into the final film because of COVID. So it made any access to prisons way harder. But it was, and then and also then afterwards, they they got in touch and asked me to organise um, getting access into a courthouse where, uh, his name was Carlino Valentine Jr. or something, and he had sent a message to Ilan Omar. Um, basically f- threatening her life and he was being tried in court on Valentine's Day and so they wanted me to try and get access to that um, courthouse but un- unfortunately that, that didn't go through because then I don't think I, yeah I can't remember the details of it so yeah, 
absolutely and that's the thing i think that the the lesson for me there is that i started out just doing rushes for that company you never know where something like that will lead you don't just have to be a runner you can find other ways into productions and especially if it is something that connects to what you are interested in what 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 you find fascinating and you i'd send them the clips about that was a really interesting interview <laughs> like oh that, that was such a beautiful ending I put some like comments in it, like uh, other one, other interviews would be like um, people. Uh, there was um, a party where a bunch of Trump supporters were like just having beers, and they were all trying to vie for control of the conversation, talking over each other. And as a dyslexic, and as a uh, do the, the logging is a nightmare. I had to constantly stop and start. But yeah, like um, so. No, I I I once again another thing I could talk forever about. I I, I was really happy with um the the fine the, the work that they did and then they got in touch again in um october when it's the final rush to get everything through and um they had a very i think they had quite a strict deadline from itv because they've been filming for about two years maybe longer wow. um and collecting lots of footage and uh one and a half to two years i think but a long time and so, and they wanted to get it out before Trump was elected. So they had that particular deadline. So I did kind of help with the art, me and um, another person who works with Fuse called Alice, we were working on the archive together. So Alice was doing negotiating, but I was helping to compile it in the background, go through the footage. And so, no, the fantastic experience. And it's what continues to motivate me forward. It doesn't have to necessarily be another few style project, but once again, it showed me that there's a lot that I, get out of it and I can bring to it and yeah it's it was an incredible opportunity but what you've learned there though you know talking to trying to get access to venues access to people um yeah the archiving you're learning so much that is a mixture of project coordinator work it's mixed of casting it's a mix of research you're learning a lot in such a short space of time doing a little bit yeah. of of everything so you are building up those skills to to get a, yeah. get that next that next job, and I'm sure Fuse would actually probably take you back again and get, give you something else. And that's I hope so. Well, Jesus you never know. Like, I'm, I'm, I I did see um I did, so when Darren was here during production, like uh, doing the post production, he was in Glasgow. So I managed to meet up with Darren. He, it was lovely actually finally meeting him. You sending his emails, you have the odd conversation mm -hmm. on the phone. I've only sp I spoke to Dia um, once just before the interviews, but then most of my communication around the interviews was to Dia, so we had a lot of conversation back and forth. But and what's going to be your next project then at the moment? What's next for you? So, um, like I said, I I'm, I'm still applying to things. I've got the, my social care which keeping me afloat. I. I I, I think it's really important kind of having separate projects on the side. So I, I have that because um, I love music. That's where a lot of my creativity comes from. And I, I, especially when like when it comes, I used to write my own lyrics, which was where I've learned most about storytelling, which I think also kind of draws me into like television. But um, I picked up a project doing a soundtrack for a horror movie. So that, that's, that's what me and my flatmate and my flatmate has like a home studio. So it's like the perfect sort of like, um, yeah, a lot of luck that I kind of landed here and he, he was keen to do that, but none of it, neither of us has done anything like this before. So it is nice to have something that gives us a little purpose in that cool. for now. But um, I'm, I'm, I've applied to RAD most recently. Um, I've seen that there's the Shetland applications coming up. I think I'd like, I'm, 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 I think it would actually be really good to, 
I think with my disability and what I've read online and how I know my mind works, I think editing would be something that I could potentially be quite good at okay. because I, 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 I'm not going to say that I have a picture perfect memory, but like I can visualize things quite, quite well. And I think kind of bringing that in, in an edit can be quite a useful skill. Um, and so that's what I might apply for the Shetland. And there's also camera training because yeah. I, I'm, I need to actually start watching all the episodes, but what I have seen of it, it looks like it's beautifully shot. And um, I, I'm also a massive movie nerd, especially like someone like Roger Deakins. But, um, and I'm also a fan of Moody Scotland, which is, is beautiful. If you're ever in the Highlands on a rainy day, you'll know exactly what I mean. <laughs> I was going to say, I see so, yeah. um, the same jobs. They were um, what like Dank had sent out, and I think a few people in our Facebook group as well have sent out about the different jobs that they're looking for. I think they were looking for makeup as well, weren't they? Like makeup, editing, camera. Mm, yes, production. there's a lot of opportunity there. So many. But there's going to be lots of people applying. Well, this is the thing. Everyone's applying for everything right now. So you may as well just put yourself out there. They can't hurt that you might not get, get it for the time being, but like it's because it's, it, it, even people who aren't working in TV are sending me the Shetland one. Everyone's seeing it like on LinkedIn and things. Um, and so, but it, it does look like a really interesting opportunity. I, I'm going to continue. The other thing I'm doing, I'm sending my CV to different like um, local like um tv companies okay uh i need to i've got a list of pe people and or list of companies that i'm trying to get through but um with because then once again it comes back to the, the i think another issue of my disability is that it slows me down like to do an application where it's coming the, the attention side of things or just to, i i can rewrite the same sentence a dozen times <laughs> like it takes me so long it takes up so much energy it kind of puts me off sending it out elsewhere. Other people can play the numbers game so well, but I, I, I can struggle with that as well. So, but um, I, I'm, yeah. But what, what you tell me, but you, you've got a project on. So some of the projects I'm working on at the moment are the, the podcasting and the, the blogging more than anything at the moment. So just trying to speak to, to people like yourself, Chris, and um, other people yeah. like um, Adam Pearson. I'm different, different. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that interview. Actually, I've seen him. Uh, I've seen some of his comments on the Facebook group. And I, I also saw him in um. Oh, that what was it? Uh, Under the skin. Fantastic movie. One of the best like science fiction movies. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's going to be interesting seeing how his experience has been shaped. Definitely. Um. Yeah. Just trying to trying to keep busy. Um. Yeah. I've got a few pictures out there with some TV companies but with lockdown at the moment um it's kind of all been a bit stalled so we were meant to do some filming but um we can't film really because of covid and stuff at the moment just waiting and seeing more than anything but just for me it's just trying to get word out there as much as possible about disability and raise awareness and um keep plugging away at education and where can where can people go to find out more information about yourself chris and if film producers are out there and want to get in touch to you um, I my main um, I think my main um, page at the moment is on LinkedIn. I have I do have a LinkedIn. Uh, I, put, I I I have Twitter, but I only have like three followers, and one's my brother. <laughs> it's uh, I don't really post that much about it. If you like that segment where I went off on one about um, American history and American politics, then follow me on Twitter. But like that, <laughs> there's probably not going to be as much on there. I, I I think in terms of the TV work, LinkedIn is probably best best right now. I know other people have other pages and stuff, but I'm still kind of like connected to all that, I think. 
that's amazing well we'll link to your linkedin down below so check it out and thank you so much for joining me today chris i hope you have a fantastic no worries it was good to be chatting to you and enjoy yourself thank you thank you for having me